Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Head to White Castle for 12 crispy all-white meat chicken rings for just $3.99. For a limited time, choose from classic Hidden Valley Ranch or our new smoky barbecue flavor and take home 12 chicken rings for just $3.99. White Castle, follow your Crave. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family-owned and operated, a no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. No matter what the stats may say, and the experts may think, and the commentators may have predicted, when the race is on, all bets are off. Don't be surprised if somebody decides to flip the script and take a pass on yelling uncle. And then suddenly, as the old saying goes, we got ourselves a game. This is Trusting the Process. This is the final episode of Trusting the Process. We're on season two, episode 17. And Chris Marler... Hope you can live up to the expectation. Saturday Down South, co-host of College Football Uncensored, the podcast that is sweeping the nation. And I just horribly screwed up earlier this week, and I apologize <laughs> first and foremost. I swear my roommate just will not pay for good internet. And I'm sitting in my room thinking everything's fine and then receiving texts from Chris that I have the worst audio quality of all time, and I went back and listened to it. And yes, that was, in fact, the worst interview audio quality of all time. Marla, good to have you. I mean, you, I'm man. not going to, yeah, I appreciate it. I'm, and I'm not, it's nothing I'm going to hold over your head because I know that somebody that has worked in radio for their entire career, uh, there's nothing you could have done or known beforehand to, to remedy that situation. So I, I know that you're completely caught off guard. Yeah, not, not ideal. So we got a lot to get to life, career. Why are you a Bama oh, fan? Um, so I, listen, we'll just do like, you know, me well enough to know if you ask me a question, I'm just going to give you an answer. I, I'll give you the most honest answer I, I can. So my whole family on my dad's side is from Anniston, Alabama. Um, I, I tried as quickly as possible at a young age to, uh, disassociate myself with most of them, but parents are divorced, typical, you know, kid trying to, you know, find something that's like in common with his dad. Bama football was like 90% of our entire relationship. And it was like the one thing that we had in common. So I think when I was little, it became a thing like, where I was like, Oh, he likes this. And I'm, I'm going to like this. And, you know, obviously I was like an athlete and I love sports, um, all sorts, but like, that was like, you know, the, uh, like a special bond between him and I for, for a long time. Um, and then, you know, you, you don't get rid of it. Like, I mean, I, I, I've said this a thousand times. I wish that I, I would have been, 
raised like in an Auburn family. I would have been way more normal. Yeah, you definitely would have been a little, just a little bit more normal. I think you would have still had some corks or two, but, oh man, so you, you grew up, you started in Alabama, but you went to high school in, in Georgia, right? Or did I miss that? No, I'm born and raised Georgia. Okay. Um, but your yeah, family's, like, from, your family's from Alabama. Okay. Right, right. Okay, that makes sense. See, I born and raised in Georgia. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know this that, uh, until actually you put something out, you, you were raised by a single mom. Your mom was a was your mom a pastor? I I get that right. So yeah, my mom's a it's a pretty incredible story. She was so dad left when she was seven months pregnant with me. Um, she just for lack of a better word, weathered the storm, um, I guess, and and raised me by herself. And and this is also this is, she she didn't become a pastor until I got to college, which like she planned it perfectly for like when I went off the deep end. Um, so like the, the PK, like preacher's kid thing and stereotype, just the narrative was held true. Um, but no, if you, if you don't, I mean, real quick, let me give you like a minute, little elevator pitch and just her whole incredible stories. She raised me by herself. She, um, worked her way up as an administrative assistant, uh, in a fortune 500 company, um, or yeah, called Martian McLennan. Before that, by the way, she graduated high school in three years, uh, while working 40 hours a week at Marshall's, graduated college in three years while still working 40 hours a week as well, and also raising me, already getting married. And so she worked in that, like it's like insurance something for like that, that big company for about 15 years, um, worked her way up to being a, uh, like a regional executive, kind of like a corner office and, and all that good stuff. Um, and again, this is like the 80s and 90s where like like women in the workplace. And so it's, I'm not saying that to be like, you know, a live. I'm saying it because it's like, it, it was even more difficult back then. Um, and she felt uh, in like 2000, 2001, she, she got called to do something different and just, just left it all behind uh, and went, instead of making a six-figure salary or the high six-figure, she decided to go pay to, uh, I mean, here's the thing. She went to seminary for four years to be a pastor, and I, I give her a hard time with this because, like, there's only one book. Like, I don't know how much, like, learning they could have been doing that whole time. Um, it's just the Bible. So, but the cool thing about it is, is uh, she traveled a bunch of work. The, she had specific trips she had to go on every single year. One of those was the second week of September. She went to New York for a um, an annual trip for her company for 15 straight years. And the first year she didn't go on that trip because she left to become a pastor was in 2001 uh, when 9-11 happened. So um, just a pretty remarkable story. They, their, their office is on the 91st floor of the South Tower. It's Jeez. a direct hit. So, yeah. Goodness gracious. I mean, that's a God thing, right? That's all it could be. You know, I, I it is. And I also, though, like, because I, I would have been lost with, with Alabama mom. But at the same time, I feel bad saying that because, like, you know, 3,000 people you know, lost someone they loved as well. But it's it's still, it's an incredible story. And she, she really is an incredible woman. And also, she has two Twitters. So if you're listening to this and you follow me for whatever reason, um, go ahead and follow her on both of her accounts. <laughs> two Twitters. Marlo's mom with two Twitters. Have you reconciled with your dad at all, Chris, or is he still out of your life? <laughs> um, what is a very honest question? No, I have not. I, I have no plans on doing that. Um, he, we haven't spoken in like six years, which is, uh, it, you know, I hate, like, I, I'm fine with it. Like, I, I've, I've gone to therapy. I've worked on all those issues and all that kind of stuff. It, and I joke around about it. Like, I joke around about everything. Um, but, it, you know, because we live in the South, you always hear people like, you, you you're going to regret it. You're going to miss him if you, if you don't, 
you know, nip this thing in the bud. I'm like, listen, you know, first off, it's nip this thing in the butt, I'm pretty sure. And you don't even know uh, me, Gerald. So just you know, leave it alone. But it's um, I mean, I got I got a stepdad. I got you know Nick Saban. Sometimes like I'll do cameos for me. It's just you know I'll figure it out. Yeah, I think you'd be surprised of how many different people I've had on this show that have either had a parent pass away or gone through a divorce. I mean, it's just. It's not an easy thing. You mentioned you mentioned Marley. Yeah. You mentioned going off the deep end. Was that a high school, college thing? You I, you, you kind of gave the timeline when your mom came a pastor. Was that kind of when you went to school? Is that when kind of that happened? I mean, so I was like a great kid in high school. Um, Same here. Just FCA didn't uh, you know like varsity baseball didn't say a, I, I, all the WWJD bracelets and swag. Um, went to young life all the time and like you know I. I just once I got to college, like I never drank in high school, and I and I didn't drink really like my first year of college. And then I was like, you know what? Maybe I will try it. Um, and I did, and it was awesome. It was so much fun. It made me a better dancer, which in hindsight, from videos, it turns out it was the opposite of that. Um, so when I say I went off the deep end, I had a very typical college experience that, that most of us have. Um, and I was playing baseball for the first three years, so it wasn't like anything you know crazy, but. Uh, you know, I I think like that that period of time may have uh, been. I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. Um, like gone a little bit a little bit further in the deep end. I think um, in my late 20s that that was uh, that was way way more off the deep end in college. But no, like it's like I mainly say just because the whole the whole stereotype was preacher kids and. Uh, and all that. Because anybody that knows me now is like, oh, of course your mom's a pastor. I'm like, okay, first off, I was a great kid when she was an insurance broker. So that's her fault. That's her fault. How highly recruited were you at a Parkview high school? You obviously made your way to college. What kind of offers were you getting out of high school? Oh, my God. I hate all these questions. Uh, uh, you, so, you joined so, this thing. <laughs> so this is, not, this is not like why we don't have a relationship, but um, – my dad, man, it was like the opposite of, of like the Midas touch. Everything he touched when it came to like most of my relationships in general, and also with, uh, especially with any coaches, it, it was a um, it kind of a nightmare. So like just playing at Parkview, and, and at that time, especially with like Frank Core, and we had you know multiple years like where all nine starters went and played college uh, baseball at some level, and, wow. and we were you know like it was a lot of fun. So like, but I also, to be fair. Like I've always been a huge college football fan, and I just didn't. I grew up, you know, in high school years. I was with my dad. I didn't. I it, I never thought about picking up a bat after summer ball. So from like August to January, I would I would work out and I would try to get in shape and get bigger, faster, stronger, all that kind of stuff. But I, I literally would not pick up a bat, a glove, a ball, any of that. And then I would just show up to these like perfect games, like national showcases and like with like a wooden bat my dad had from like his men's league and I, it, all of it sounds so stupid now because of like how serious I should have been taking it um, I was recruited heavily in my sophomore and junior year just in my junior year uh, the most from Vandy Clemson and Bama I got like got a bunch of like handwritten Christmas cards and all that kind of stuff and um, and then honestly just I, I think I'd never you know, I played first base, and so I, I was six feet, like one ninety. I didn't have, I had like terrible arms, so I couldn't really play any other positions. Um, and any chance that he got, my dad would make sure to 
cause some sort of issue, whether it would be like somebody recruiting me with my high school coach, whatever. And so I'll, I'll never forget my high school coach who's like a like baseball coaching legend. He thinks he's a scout for the Phillies now. He goes, you know, honestly, Chris, uh, you you remind me a lot of uh, Jeff Kepinger, who was a second-round draft pick from my high school and played big show. I was like, wow, thanks, Sam. He was like, because of all of your family drama. I was like, oh, that is not where I thought that was going. Um, not your so, talent, not your charisma, not your arm strength. Yeah, not your family drama. But at the time, it was it was like it was going through this weird thing where, like, my you know, I, I was like a really good kid. My dad, he was just kind of the worst. And so, like, I would get kicked out of the house and have to go, like, you know, live on couches of like my teammates or people like at school and like, you know, like for like for months. I, did, I had to do that for the last full month of my senior year of high school during the state playoffs and all that kind of stuff. So it was just kind of like a tumultuous up and down thing that I think. It wasn't so behind the scenes, and and by the time I got to college, or like or my senior year, I was just all I wanted to do was like go D one and kind of save face for whatever reason. And I've actually rarely told anybody this. I'll, I'll tell you, went to Middle Tennessee State, had no business showing up there without again picking up a bat and doing any kind of work. Like just assumed I was going to show up and, and play, and I got cut like in the first couple of weeks because I oh, was no. just. It, it, and I deserved to be cut too. It was, it was it was just a tough scene, but then um, you know I think it also kind of like re inspired me a little bit to you know like actually put work into it and enjoy the game. But that was the funny part too because if you talk to baseball players, first off they're all douchebags. Second off, <laughs> like there's so much like insight to like and like deep, not even analytics, but like you know just the game of baseball. There's so many little intricacies in it. I didn't know anything. I like I didn't. I'll never forget the first time like I I like got fast after my freshman year of college and I was like, I'm gonna steal bases all the time. Had no idea what that meant and got thrown out like at third base with two outs and my coach was like, You're never going to play this game ever, ever, ever again. Um and I had no idea what the why that was a uh you weren't supposed to do that anyway. Man, that was a uh, a long well, pass. So where did yeah, you, it was bad. You yeah. still play college ball after that. What was the college after Middle Tennessee? And thanks for being open about the Middle Tennessee State thing. Yeah, don't ever bring it up again. Though. It was tough. That curveball machine, like, it was awful. Um, and sorry, that was so long-winded. But no, so I, I went to Georgia College of State University in Milledgeville, um, and they recruited me out of high school. I was like, I'm not going to go to B2. Uh, and then I went, and so, you know, and I was like, a, I was like the – quintessential like just teen guy like i like you know i i, I was on like that was on varsity or whatever but like a travel we were and we were really good too that was that was the thing like i thought d2 baseball was gonna suck like it was just gonna be like basically above average high schoolers but one thing i found out about d2 players is a lot of northern kids and kids that go to juco and can't spell their name who can't make grades to go d1 they just go d2 and so we had like eight guys drafted and, and like weekend starters all thrown over 95. Um, and we were ranked number one in the country for like, yeah, it was crazy. Um, for, for most of the year. And then we just, um, we, we kind of fell apart to, uh, at the end of the year, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Georgia college state university, um, uh, coach Calciano, who was a guy from like just West Philadelphia or Westchester, Pennsylvania, that's where I learned all my bad words. I'll say that um, he was—he was a great, great guy um, and, and great coach. I have never heard. I'm having to look this up. Milledgeville 
Georgia. What is that? Yeah, you have. Remote. Yeah, you have. It's where, it's where Roethlisberger peed on that girl. Ah. <laughs> is that allegedly or did that actually happen? Oh, that definitely happened. Yeah, for okay. sure. Well, now I am uh, well aware, thanks to that reference right there. We're talking You're with welcome. Chris Marler, Saturday Down South, co-host of the College Football Uncensored podcast. Marler, what is your official title? Is it coordinator of fun at SDS? What is your actual title? <laughs> do, you, do you do anything over there? Be honest. <laughs> um, it's amazing how many people like just beat around the bush to get to that question. Like, like I feel like I do a lot more now. But like, so I, I'm my title is engagement editor, um, which I've asked for something different uh, before. Like, you know, and I don't, I don't know. I'm not professional enough to know how to spruce this up. I was a bartender, and like I lucked into getting this job. Um, but yeah, so like basically. Up until last year, I I did I co-hosted the SDS pod with Connor Aguera, um, and I ran all of our social media, and that was a blast, man. I, I I've always loved college football. I've always been um, I've always loved oversharing things that make people uncomfortable on my social media and never learning a lesson from it. Um, but then you know, and I get to do that like for this you know pretty big brand, and like that had it's. It, it was cool to like, you know, tweets that you would see like, you know, people from Sports Center would like retweet or whatever. Um, but yeah, and then 2020 happened, and I've never wanted to run social media for anybody ever again. And we'll leave that one. Uh, we'll leave that there. Let's talk about this bartending. When I moved to Nashville, I had a part-time radio gig at Nashville Sports Radio. I was waiting tables at Outback with potential becoming a bartender in addition to writing news articles for Saturday Down South under my boss, Michael Bratton, who ended up letting me go from that news desk portion, which I've given him so much crap about, but it was so... Yeah, you guys both done really well for yourselves. Yeah, such, such, such needed because I had a broken computer and it would take me 30 minutes to write what should have been a 10-minute news article to pump it out, but... We had uh, we had some fun discussing. I'm actually going to see him next week. But Marler, tell me about this bartender because we're literally at the Omni Nashville Hotel at Media Days, a place you actually used to, you know, bartend at. My last job before yeah. SDS. So how did that? Uh, Sometimes I mean, bartenders know how to talk. They know how to engage with people. Your job now is is that title. How did that transpire, man? Yeah, I've been engaged several times, so I'm definitely good at that. Um, <laughs> So for for I, I did it in college and it was like you know it, it was just kind of fun and me being just kind of the way I am like I enjoy going out I enjoy kind of like being the center of attention at times like and and then also like you make a bunch of money for like well all things different college um, so it was a blast like and and when I graduated college so this is actually kind of weird not a lot of people know this I would when I was playing baseball you you can't like at the time you couldn't actually have a job. If it was over 12 hours and it couldn't be more than minimum wage due to the NCAA, like, restrictions. So, and I, I paid for my way through school. So, like, I, I would just be running on fumes. My aunt and uncle actually lived in the Bahamas and had um, a restaurant there called Cafe Johnny Canoe for about 20 years. One of the most successful restaurants on the island. It's where it, it's now Bahamar, and they're the worst. But I would go down in the summers, and it, it was an all-black female staff and then me um, in, in the Bahamas. And just, it, like, I would work, make tax-free money, all that kind of stuff, come back with enough money to pay for school for the full year. Um, well, once I did that, the one time I actually had enough that 
but my dad didn't thought my fast enough to teach me a lesson of responsibility, but we're not going to talk about that. So I bartended. I loved it. It was a great, great time. And I was going to take over my uncle's restaurant. We were really close and it, it, that was like a whole plan. So you real so quick, you were, major. you were Tom Cruise in cocktail. That's almost what I'm hearing. I wasn't know. that cool. Okay. Yeah. I was Tom Cruise, but like only that one scene where he's like just out of his mind with emotions and way over the top and trying to fight with his, his like his coworker. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much what it was. The cocktails and juices down there. And, and it was so, dude, like, I mean, think about this. You're 20, 21 years old, right? We, we were, I would go to work like 50 hours a week, which I thought at the time was a lot of money or a lot of time. I would wake up every day, go to the casino, place like bets on baseball games, go back, go to the gym, work out for two hours, go to the beach or the pool, get a tan. And then I would go into work, and I did that. It was like the best life ever. It was so much fun. Um, what was the so ratio like with, down there for you as a single, what, mid-20s male? Sure. So both years I was down there, one of the hotels that we were attached to had a partnership with a thing called Grad Week, which every five to seven days they would bring 200 kids that had just graduated high school and could drink legally at 18. <laughs> and they, I, it was the time of my life. So, um, but I'll say it's like, it's like I, I got back to school and like, I, you know, I was, I was trying to be a sports broadcaster. That's like mass time was my major and that's what I always want to do. But my uncle, you know, he kind of like convinced me to take over his restaurant. We had everything planned out. And in March of my senior year, uh, second senior year, uh, the restaurant closed because they couldn't renegotiate their lease when Bahamar bought them out. So like two months before graduation, I'm like, well, what the hell am I going to do now? Um, so they actually told me, like, go to Houston's and, and, you know, get a job there. And like, once we reopen, you know, you'll be better equipped and what are trained or whatever. So I started working at Houston's just because they told me to um, and worked there off and on for probably about like six to eight years. And it's like one of those jobs that you hate. Uh, but in hindsight, you like also love. It was like I a lot of fun, made a lot of money. I had to wear a bow tie, which sucks. Um, but yeah, that's like literally Kevin Duffy, our president of SDS, he came in like one Thursday night, didn't know who he was. And he, I heard him say like Tuscaloosa or something. And I was like, you guys talking football? And and just, this will surprise you, but I hijacked the conversation. And, uh, oh, that didn't sound like you. Like, no, nonsense. Um, and the worst part was too, like, like, cause I was, I was so ready to go at that point and, and, and get out of that job. And so him and I kind of hit it off and, and I was like, Oh, he, he's like, he said something about Saturday on Saturday. I was like, yeah, I have a blog, which is uh, you're younger than I am, man or woman. There is not a more impressive thing you can say to somebody out loud than I have a blog. <laughs> so just, just for you and, and some advice there. Um, anyway, so he entertained it and that's, that's how I ended up getting the job. <laughs> Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today, or use your mobile device to join today and. 
make your first sports bet, use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, 50. That's believe B L E A V 50. Bet online where the game starts. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. You're listening to Trusting the Process. I. I don't think that people understand how crazy job opportunities come and go sometimes. And what you just said there by just perking up, walking over, and going from there. I mean, that's impressive. Now, the real kicker is that after working for Kevin and guys for two weeks that they kept you on. That's that's what real – that's the real – They tried not to. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's the real impressive part of all this. But man, that is that's why do you miss bartending at all? I I miss my coworkers from Outback, but yeah. by no means and I listen, I wake up every weekday morning at four AM. That's that's not ideal when I was waking up at like ten to go wait tables. But what is what it, what do you miss about just kind of being a bartender and what you're doing now? I would say that um, I was like I was good at it, so that was always like fun, I, and I like took pride in it for the most part. But um, in Houston, because it's like a nicer establishment, so you you kind of develop these like relationships with like the the guests and all that kind of stuff. Like like I've worked at like you know App, not Applebee's, but like you know like more more uh, service industry jobs that are like like that movie Waiting, right? Where everyone's like Great going out movie. before the night before. Great movie. Um, this is a little bit more, I guess, professional. I've tried to make it not as much as possible, but, um, I don't see, I don't, I don't miss it. And, and, you know, and I, I left on very bad terms, but I would say like, I still speak very highly. I, I tell you what I miss is the structure. I didn't realize how much I needed that, um, on like a daily basis, just like making sure like, cause everything is so like specific and, and like the process that they have there it's almost like kind of militant but um and i do miss that money man that money was you could make my god uh way way more than than i'd, I'd had uh at some jobs in the past but I, I would tell you what i don't miss is wearing crocs until two o'clock in the morning and then having to walk through a parking lot in downtown atlanta trying to pretend like i'm not scared because i'm in like three inch lift crocs I'm trying to picture you did you have your comb over then what kind of hairdo oh, so this is like this is when i was like I, I was kind of peaking at this point i'm not going to tell you what my favorite part of that time period was but it was kind of what you uh alluded to with the the, the stuff in the bahamas the bieber the cone over that's the best way to Dude, look at it oh no i didn't have that come over I, this was i was like 30 pounds lighter than i am now very unhealthy had glasses and a comb over and i was just basically like rachel maddow with a penis which maybe is just Rachel Maddow. I don't know, but that's like, like it, it, people would come in all the time, and this would just make me so upset. Be like, you know who you look like, and I'm like, you know, Clark Kent. Like, I get it. And they're like, no, Rachel Maddow. I'm like, get the out of here. Well, my roommates like to not my roommates, my friends from college love to give me a hard time. Say occasionally, I look like Hillary Clinton when my hair's at a certain length. <laughs> it's a little longer now, but when the uh, the flow is at a certain length. They love to give me a hard time about like that. Experimented with skateboarding? That's you. Yeah, I, I've never skateboarded before. I don't think that would work for me. But um, I, so I got a, yeah. I got a couple things that 
I've been requested by a few of your friends to ask about. The, uh, the Is it money that I owe them? No, I wouldn't be surprised, though. The Ryan Cabrera lyrics you almost tattooed on your body? <laughs> what the heck like, is that about? There's not a lot of questions that have been asked that have painted me in a positive light, but also I'm the one answering them, so I think it's my fault. Um, yeah, I didn't realize how big of a douchebag I was when I was like in college. Or oh, like, you still are. You just might be more than, oh, than you are now. Perfect, perfect. Um but so when I was like 18, I just wanted to get a tattoo. I just like, like didn't give a, a blank what it was. I just wanted to get a tattoo. And at the time I was like, you know, more into uh, Christianity than I am now. And I remember Ryan Cabrera on the way down. I was like telling somebody about this. and I was dead serious. Like I, like I could not have been more like, like sternly dramatic. Like, yeah, I'm going to get the lyrics from on the way down uh, tattooed on my arm with the cross. Can you imagine if you met me at any, it, like, then it would have been bad. Like a day later after I got that tattoo, it would have been bad. But can you imagine meeting me at 36 and being like, like what's on your arm? Like, oh, uh, you remember that one hit wonder from the guy who dated Ashley Simpson and did his hair just like Ashley Simpson? It's I, I did like a loose play on words with Christianity stuff. It's cool. We can talk about it. Man, that's uh that's a story right there. All right, let's see what else I got. Ty, I would I would have never lost my virginity. Just stop putting me in a box that I have to get out of. Uh, big Kentucky win, a Kentucky Derby win at the Venetian in Vegas. What? How much you win? <laughs> oh my God, we went. <laughs> I know this is Jeff that told you this. Um, one of one of our buddies' bachelor parties, and I think it was Rich because he, he I love him to death, but he's always too much. So we were there for five days, which is two days too long, and we were drinking heavily every day. And so we all decided to buy tickets, like, or, like, we were betting on, like, whatever our numbers were in baseball um, for this horse race. And I was number nine. And number nine was pulling away as soon as they started out of the gate. And I am, I, like, I just wanted the Vegas experience. So I'm, like, just way too much and screaming at the top of my lungs. And, so, and like, and, and I've won. And I'm looking at the ticket. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is, like, I would have won, I think, like, I don't know, probably – $3,700, something like that, which at the time was 3600 more than I had. And I didn't, like, as soon as it ends, like, like some sort of sobriety came over my, my actual pupils. And I had been cheering for the wrong damn horse the entire time. My horse was out with an injury, like, oh. in the first 100 yards. It was awful. That's brutal. Like, yeah. that is, yeah. it, there's the term bad beat when you get beat on a backdoor cover. But that might be oh, worse God. than bad beat, my friend. I mean, it was my own fault. Like the bad beat was just my my sobriety. Okay. Oh man, we're talking with Chris Marler, Saturday down south, college football uncensored here on Trust in the Process, season two, episode seventeen. He's going to be the last one before we get into football season because I'm going to Santa Rosa Beach next week, and uh, we'll not be doing anything. You go on doing. more. Basic white girl vacations than anyone I've ever met. Yeah, I'm very much a basic white boy. There's no getting by. I love your life. It's it's not bad. I have a I have a great job. I have great good buddies. Um, good boss. It's not a it's not too bad. You were described as a chaotic individual, but it works for him. It's his strength, in my opinion. Would you describe yourself as a chaotic individual that it still works for you? Chaotic. 
That is a tough word. I, I really want to know who said this. Um, I will say I have done a – I have dedicated a lot of time to not maturing and growing up and, and doing things that I probably should have done a long time ago, um, at, like for most of most of my life. And um, I wouldn't say chaotic because I feel like I, I hit a stretch where um, – you know, like, like, have you ever seen You, Me, and Dupree? Uh, that is one of the few Owen Wilson movies I have not. It's Matt Dillon, Owen Wilson. Who's the actress in it? Um, the, the ears. Um, she's Kate Upton, right? No? I don't know. I, I'll look um, it up. Go ahead. It's a fantastic movie, but also, like, I, so my nickname in college is to be Dupree because I lived in, in the living room of my friend's apartment. Um, because I hated the roommate that I got assigned to, uh, in my apartment. So like for this entire semester, entire year, I just slept on a futon in their living room and we made it work and it was a lot of fun. Um, and I just kind of assumed that'd be the only, uh, friend's house that I ever lived in or stayed in, uh, for an extended period of time. And I'm, boy, was I wrong. So chaotic. I think, I, I think honestly, I, I make a lot of bad decisions, um, and shoot myself in the foot more often than I should. But I would say chaotic, I think, honestly, I, I wouldn't describe myself as chaotic until the last year. And the last year was a very chaotic year, but I, a lot of that was out of, actually, all of that was out of my control. Um, it, it does kind of feel like sometimes it's just like there's always something. I will say, coming on this podcast was definitely one of the poor decisions that you've made, not just in the last year, but maybe <laughs> maybe your entire life, I would say. You know yeah, what? the second question was about my dad. Oh, you brought him up, man. It's a, it's a, this is the point to get to know people and stuff. And I honestly didn't know that yeah. about you. So I'm, I'm just appreciative that you were willing to go there. I also want to hear a, a stand up comedy bit or two, if we can, if you could indulge, no. if you could told us, cause I, I, you had talked to me about this before. And then as I'm stalking you on Facebook to come up with content to talk about, and I see these pictures, I want you to give me one of your best bits, if you please, that probably had people rolling on the floor laughing more than Kevin Hart, more than some oh of the great God. comedic act, Dave Chappelle, more than some of the great comedic acts that we've ever seen. You've got yeah, to so, get me going, um, Marler. And I can sense the sarcasm in your voice. And let me tell you, as somebody that's done stand-up comedy, there's nothing that comedians love more than having somebody uh, tell them to, to make them laugh and then try to in a complete, like with zero context for it to being a funny situation or, or atmosphere and surroundings. Um, but I'm smiling right now. Entire, I'm ready to laugh. There you go. Like we've hung out. Like you, you are constantly laughing probably at me. Uh, but at the same time, like I, it, I hate when people say like, tell me a joke. Like, first off, no, because most of the stuff that I say on stage and I, I, I can't cuss on this show. Right. No, it's a. It just don't drop like the George Carlin ones. You can say the other ones, just don't drop like the f bomb. That's all I say. <laughs> um, I will say. Uh, so, like I said, I've been doing it about ten years, and and like I, you know, my, I guess like I don't know, just like I, I always love this because since I have comedian like in like my, my bio, or whatever. That's not how I would describe myself, but it's, it's something that I've really enjoyed doing, and I, and I found like you know a decent amount of success at. Um, I always love when some fan gets mad, like you know, like, like a Mississippi State fan after like a beatdown. It's like, well, this failed comedian. He he said the band was only going to win by twenty. 
and, and they they only won by ten. Um, anyway, so I, I'll do. I'll tell you this. So I, I joked around with this a lot when I was like in my twenties because. I used to drink a lot. And you're kind of at that age too, but you already are kind of skinny. Do you ever drink so much that you woke up and felt like you lost weight? Because like you're so dehydrated. So you just like wake up and you're like, oh my God, like I am like high school skinny. Like I must have done some sort of cardio or been responsible. I said, no, Chris, you had 38 vodka soda splash crayons again. Um, and you're just dehydrated. But it got to a point like late in my twenties where I remember my mom saying, um, Chris, you, you didn't need to go to rehab or you're going to go to Greece to visit your family. And without getting into it, I chose Greece. It was a very easy choice. Um, but I remember thinking, I was like, man, like maybe I need to like tone it down on the drinking. And, and I, like, maybe I had a, a, a little bit of a problem. Um, and then I read this news story about these kids in like, uh, in Gwinnett County outside of, uh, Atlanta and, and they were getting drunk at school. But they were doing it by pouring vodka into their eyeballs. What? Right. So no. I thought I had a problem. But if you're like waterboarding yourself with Mr. Boston's at 16, like that's an issue. You're going to go to a tech, a tech college for sure. Oh um, and the other thing was at the same exact time as this was happening, there were four, there were four fraternity bros in Tennessee who got in trouble um, for a, a, a way of drinking and getting drunk that I've never heard before at this point, which was, and I know you're familiar with it, butt chugging. Yes, I'm. I'm aware of butt, butt chugging. Was is. like, oh, I'm, I'll explain it to you. I'm glad you asked. Um, butt chugging is not like a mad lib of words jammed together. That is an actual word that has become uh, like pretty popular in, in the uh, English language in this country because four fraternity bros got in trouble for putting like they were giving each other alcohol enemas on a Saturday night, and the only reason why. Was they just wanted to get drunk faster? That was the only reason. That was the only excuse. Like, what kind of time constraints could you have been on where that was a reasonable thing? And the worst part was the worst part was there's there was four of them, which means three of them could have vetoed the idea. And they're like, no, 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 no. Tanner, let's let's turn them out. And and like you know, like when they're like throwing out all these suggestions, like, hey, you know, what about like slip cup? Like, no, that's stupid. What about beer pong? Shut up, Tanner. Uh, what about uh, you know? I don't know. Like, we do a power hour. You know what? What if we do a power hour in our buttholes instead? Um, and then they did that. Like, they, they were so gassed up. And what can only be described, I'm sure, is like, I don't know, oversized Columbia fishing shirts and like mid-cast socks to show off the athletes they aren't. <laughs> and that was, their, that was their drug of choice that night, was putting a beer funnel in their friend's rectum. I cannot believe I would disavow anyone that would do something that idiotic and that stupid. How dare they? Marla, I really don't have a problem with you being a Boston Red Sox fan because I kind of like the Boston Red Sox. Four days in October. I do, yeah. however, take issue with you being an Alabama Crimson Tide member. But what I will say Fair. is I can respect you from the standpoint that you're not just a fan that says you're an Alabama fan and can't name one player on the depth chart. You actually have a comprehensive memory where if I asked you a certain game a couple years back, you would yeah. know what happened, how it happened. So I will give you that said respect as we close down this episode. But still, man, why are you a Bama fan? I just, um, I just can't. I, it, you know, I will say this. I, I admittedly am the biggest douchebag combination of fan imaginable because, like, I, I, here, I went to Fenway Park. My dad and I used to go to a different baseball park every year. It was like a father-son trip. That's cool. In like the 90s. And we went to Fenway July 4th weekend. 
And I remember saying, like, when I was there, I was like, this is the closest thing I've ever experienced to a college football game at another sport. Like, because I grew up in Atlanta, and you had the Braves were really good, but, it, you know, a lot of stadiums started becoming, like, malls. And then you go to this just incredible, uh, like, look, it's it's like heaven on earth, man. Like, the grass isn't even green. It's, like, yellowish. and Everything there is, like, special and unique. And July 4th weekend, like, you know, when the country started, where it started. And I just, I fell in love with it, like, right then. Or like, you know, so it's probably around, like, 96, 97. Um, but the Bama stuff, man, I, you know, I... I don't think there's anything I've, I've consistently loved more and probably hasn't hurt me um, thanks to Nick Saban as much as college football. And it's just, it's so much fun. Like, I, you know, I know that we give each other crap because of uh, teams and stuff, but I think now that I've gotten older too, like, of course I pull for Bama, even though I'm supposed to be an unbiased member of the media, but how much fun is it getting to interact with like all of these fans, like especially Arkansas, who you know are just like me, but they just don't spell words as well. Like, oh that excites, I'm, ki- I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, um, but like, I've said this for a long time, it, probably the best fan base in, in the SEC because y'all have showed up consistently, even to the Chad Morris era, era in every season and every sport. And it, it seems like, you know, I just, I, I really, really enjoyed like kind of putting away like the allegiances and stuff like that. Um and kind of learn about like different schools and, and, and like, you know, the traditions and we do this matchup breakdowns and everything like that. And like, get to learn about like uh, the famous alumni. And I just love it, man. It's, it's been, it's been my favorite thing. I think uh, ever since I was a kid. And, and I'll tell you what, like the biggest thing, the reason why college football is so great for a number of reasons, is because we only get 13 of those Saturdays a year and you can't replace them, you know? And I, I think there's just so much, even, even like the fond memories I have, like with my dad or our family going to games, um, a lot of that's based around college football. So, and that's that's saying something because I grew up doing like the Dubose era of Bama fans. So, well, we'll leave it there. I would say I admire you for your allegiance, but I'm just I just don't. I just I oh six man. It's the last time Arkansas has beaten Alabama, but I do admire you for coming on, braving your way through this podcast, the final edition of this season of Trust in the Process. Marler enjoyed it, man. I'll be in Atlanta October. 27th prior to the Auburn game so maybe we can catch up get a drink get some food or something on you of course yeah sounds good man sounds good I appreciate it and um and, and also like I I just want to say thank you for again uh bookending this interview with questions about my daddy issues and closing with saying you don't respect me so um we'll talk soon this podcast has been presented by bet online this podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Long range! Oh! Are you kidding me? He's got his J-back, folks, and the eye of the tiger! Once upon a time, three bears found a golden-haired guest who wouldn't leave their home. This Dunkin' Cold is just right. Mm, and this Dunkin' Cold is just right. Should we introduce ourselves? No, Barry. The home with Dunkin' is where you want to be. Hey, parents. Greenlight is here to take one big thing off your to-do list, teaching your kids about money. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. 
set up chores, and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. Then learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast.